This is Plant-Based Briefing. This vegan hunting guide is preserving the history of seaweed foraging along the California coast by Susan B. Barnes at VegetarianTimes.com. And I'm Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate articles on plant-based, vegan, eco-friendly living with permission in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article is from VegetarianTimes.com. Vegetarian Times Magazine has been the plant-based lifestyle authority since 1974. They have recipes and news for vegans, vegetarians, and the veg curious. They have an online platform, and you can join as a member and receive meal plans, fitness plans and courses, cooking courses and challenges, and just a huge wealth of services. You can subscribe and have the magazine delivered to your door and also enjoy ad-free digital content where you can create your own personalized feed. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. This vegan hunting guide is preserving the history of seaweed foraging along the California coast by Susan B. Barnes at VegetarianTimes.com. In the late 1800s, Chinese immigrants began harvesting local seaweed on Pacific Ocean beaches. Today, a forager and educator is reviving those dormant traditions and teaching students how to incorporate the edible plants into modern cooking. When Spencer Marley, founder of Marley Family Seaweeds, started seaweed foraging in the tide pools of San Luis Obispo County on California's central coast, the plan was to take the bounty to the local farmer's market. But soon after he started selling, curious shoppers began asking if he would show them how to do their own foraging. Quickly, his hobby-turned-side business had a new side business of its own, offering guided foraging excursions. Now Marley, who still works in IT at California Polytech State University during the week, takes groups of up to six would-be foragers to the tide pools each Saturday for a 90-minute tour, during which he shares the finer points of sustainably harvesting seaweed. We go down to the tide pools and talk about phycology, the scientific study of algae, says Marley. It's a little bit of a science lesson and quite a bit of a vegan hunting experience. We're basically just looking for certain species in the tide pools. Cantonese seaweed harvesters hunted in the very same tide pools in the late 1800s, and Marley hopes to preserve that history. Seaweed harvesting went dormant for a long time, says Marley. I think I'm the first person in this county to do commercial harvesting for edible seaweed in 50 years. The Chinese settlers were the ones who figured it out. During the outing, he shows students how to identify at least five species of edible marine algae, a.k.a. seaweed, many of which can be found worldwide, teaches them how to incorporate the freshly harvested seaweed into cooking, and how to preserve seaweed using traditional methods like drying it out to store and use later. At the end of each tour, the group warms up by making a bowl of ramen with their foraged seaweed, slurping up the noodles and briny broth right there on the beach. Everyone really loves it. The broth is so unique, and the seaweed gives it a really unique flavor, says Marley. Most ramens use kombu as a base anyway. It's a distinctive taste people are already used to. The quote-unquote chicken stock of Japan is dashi, one part kombu and bonita flakes made from skipjack tuna, he continues. The vegetarian version would be kombu and shiitakes, which have a lot of umami as well. It's not just necessarily vegetarians who use this flavor combination. There are a lot of times in Japan when they'll make dashi with mushrooms for a different flavor profile. When I make my dashi for the ramen, I just use straight kombu because I want people to taste the seaweed flavor, he says. 
The seaweeds that Marley and his groups of foragers typically find are Pacific wakami, nori, and kombu in the tide pools, as well as more unusual, lesser-known varieties like olive rockwood, grapestone, and sea lettuce. There is a lot of grapestone, but it has to be fried more or less, so I don't really feature too much of it on our tours, Marley says. The rockweeds are amazing. They're really good in pastas. They're kind of like capers and have a briny, almondy-type taste to them. Sea lettuce is one of my favorites, he adds. That's the one the Cantonese were harvesting. It can be found all over the world, and we do have a good patch of it here. It's ubiquitous enough to where if I teach people about it, they'll be able to find it wherever they are, as long as they're close to the ocean. A big part of the tours is teaching participants how to engage in seaweed foresting sustainably, causing minimal impact upon the delicate marine ecosystem. Kelp filters a lot of carbon out of seawater. That's the mechanism as to why it's so beneficial to the environment, explains Marley. It's also very regenerative, which could be a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's kind of a blessing and a curse to have that regenerative label because people are more apt to take as much as they want, rather than going in with the mentality to take what you need, he continues. Look at the area and see if it's abundant enough to take what you need. Marley likes to talk about the hunting and gathering mentality with his groups of foragers, reminding them that it is a really important part of who we are as a people. Everyone thinks that back in the day, native tribes survived on meat. The reality is that those were outliers. Most of the protein that they survived on was foraged berries and nuts and things like that, he says. The women, children, and senior citizens provided the vast majority of the daily sustenance, especially in a lot of places in California. Most of what people were eating was the small, easy-to-gather things, and seaweed is the epitome of that. You just listened to This Vegan Hunting Guide is Preserving the History of Seaweed Foraging Along the California Coast by Susan B. Barnes at VegetarianTimes.com. And I'm Marian Erickson, your host. And there's a note at the end of the article that mentions public tours take place each Saturday and private bookings are also available. And you can book through Airbnb Experiences, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And it mentions that tours are suitable for all ages and children are welcome. Please share this episode with anyone who might benefit, and thanks for listening.